Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to Ozbiz live from our Barangaroo studios. Uh, you are tuning in to the call. Uh, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to uh, two experts in one hour. It is Thursday, the 3rd of November, ladies and gentlemen. And finally, it is showdown time, or should that be show time? Now for the main event here at the call on this Thursday, the heavyweight bout in the blue corner, the man with the suave dapper looks from Shore and Partners, Philip the Bull Pepe! And in the red corner, the smiling assassin from Deep Data Analytics, Nathan the Bear Somersandaran. You two, keep it clean, keep it competitive, keep it concise, but give us good direction. Philip, you came up with this. <laughs> How on earth did you come up with this poster? Well, it's actually uh, done by wife of one of our former <laughs> colleagues, Christy Shanahan. So Nathan and I used to work together. And I think when I met him about eight years ago. Was that a good experience? It was a great experience. Right. I learned a lot. We, we used to spar a lot, uh, metaphorically. I think right. when I met Nathan, he said, hi, I'm Nathan, the Marcus Overvalued. I think I think you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> and every research report I wrote that had a buy, he said, you're wrong and this is why. So <laughs> that's fine. He's more quanti in nature. I'm more fundamental. So so every right. morning meeting was um, was interesting. Uh, right. Yeah, and when and I, I've been watching Nathan on Osbys for, for quite a while. And when I finally got on the show with Nathan, I sent our colleagues, uh, ex-colleagues, hey, I'm finally up against Nathan. So Christy um, put this poster <laughs> together. So, and the money's on Nathan, by the way. So, oh, uh, don't I'm, you I'm, start I'm, the psychology. He's starting the psychology yeah. already, Nathan, isn't yeah. he? Was he always <laughs> like this? Was he all, you know, all suave and dapper, but quick with the uppercut? Uh. Never, never trust an Italian, especially a Pepe. Uh, <laughs> nah, he's good. Uh, look, he, he comes from, uh, as he said, he, he's a bottom-up analyst. Uh, I'm a top-down macro guy. Um, when you meet, there's always going to be discrepancies, and that's the beauty right. of investing. Do you ever meet in the middle? Oh, look, I think we meet a lot. I think when it gets to the interesting part, when the market's closed, where, where we are different, I think that's the interesting part. And it's, you know, you learn from analysts on how they look at things. Um, and when you're coming from a data side, you look at it completely different. So the discrepancy between the two cycles, I think that's the, the real value add in the process. All right. Okay. Well, we've got 11 rounds today. Um, and <laughs> for the first five rounds, we're going to be talking, our stock of the day uh, is going to be New Hope. Um, this half hour, we're going to also cover Premier Investments. Uh, Talga Group which I had never heard of, but quite interesting investment group. Uh, Duratech, Retail Food Group, iShares, Core MSCI, 
uh, World X Australia ESG leaders is the ETF that we're going to finish on. But uh, first of all, uh, stock of the day that I, I chose for the two fellows today, uh, Coal Miner New Hope Corporation will buy $300 million worth of shares back within the next 12 months, following on what Whitehaven has done. Uh, New Hope says the board has approved the share buyback after taking into account future expected operating cash flow requirements. The buyback will commence November 17, likely to be completed within 12 months, subject to prevailing share price and market conditions. It follows full-year revenue lifting 143%, $2.6 billion. Net profit soaring after tax to $983 million. Uh, let's see how the stock's performing today. One of the few stocks that is uh, actually up at this stage. Um, Nathan, number one, what do you think of the buyback? Because Whitehaven has been criticised for its buyback at these elevated levels. Why not buy back at lower levels? Their counter is it's capital management. Uh, give it back to shareholders rather than invest in something different and take the chance of that. Um, and the stock price at the moment. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, we've talked about call before. Um, you know, give credit to Gaurav when he's not here, so let's do yep. that. Um, so he picked it early. Um, it's an energy thematic. You're picking on everything in energy is doing well, um, and call was one of the best performers, uh, and you're seeing a bit of a pullback in that, and the others are recovering. So I think the thematic still holds, um, and call has been doing well on the back of that. Um, and I think it makes sense. I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by that. Um, it was expected. Um, and the, 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 the whole talk about would you, why, why won't you wait till things collapse? So the reality is when share price is really cheap, uh, management uh, is getting hit on the fact that it's cheap. Uh, why don't you do something about it? Um, and so when it's expensive, don't do buybacks. Uh, when it's cheap, they would want people to spend money and uh, try and redo the business. So in reality, no matter when they do buybacks, they're always mm. going to be questioned on it. So I don't think that matters too much. Now, all they're doing is they're increasing the share count, makes the growth outlook for the next year a bit easier. Um, they're churning out cash. They're like better than the banks at the moment. And you make hay while the sun shines. And right now, the energy sector is doing as well as they've done for a long time. So um, I don't have a problem with it. Um, but look, if you're holding it, great. I think it's still doing well, still churning out cash, and the buyback will support the share price. Uh, but if you've got fresh money, I, I think you're coming late to the game in call. But, you know, there are other energy sectors still looking quite interesting. I think in the speculative end, you've got uranium. Um, I think the oil price start, starting to climb. Um, OPEC is looking at demand and saying they might have to move again on cutting supply. There's geopolitics playing out on the supply side. So... Oil price is looking strong, and I think it'll recover, and that'll play well for the whole energy sector. Yeah. I don't think that's great for the economy, but overall, for the sector, as an investment thematic, holds up quite okay. well. Um, Philip, what do, you, what do you think? Firstly, of the buyback. Um, even Nathan, for a number of times, says the problem with big resource stocks is when they're making too much money, they go and buy something and bugger it all up because they usually pay too much. Here's a resource stock that is saying, no, we're not going to muck around with the, with the business. We're going to give it back to you as shareholders. I think that makes sense. And I think it's a buy. Um, right. So coal companies are doing very well at the moment. Uh, the Met coal price was 50 bucks US a tonne a few years ago. About 350 a tonne today, having come off 450 yeah. tonne highs, double on PCP. 
this, their, um, New Hope made about a billion dollars in free cash flow last year. In, in different times, they would, would invest that in new mines and trying mm. to expand coal production. You can't do that at the moment. No. It's politically incorrect. So what are they doing? They're giving it back to shareholders. So that's 20% of its market cap in free cash flow uh, that they paid a special divvy uh, with the full year. And they're doing a share buyback. Uh, I think they send the release. They think it's cheap. But with all this cash, rather than sitting there earning zero or yeah. next to zero, they can't reinvest it. Give it back to shareholders. Yeah. If you've got franking credits, pay the special dividend. If you don't, do a share. And the other back. thing they could do is, oh, let's diversify out of coal. Well, that's it's, that's fraught with danger, isn't it? Investors <laughs> can do that better than they can. So yeah. look, it makes absolute sense. Uh, why I think it's a buy. A, as Nathan said, the share the buyback will support the um, the share price. They're probably going to have another strong year next year um, mm. if if coal prices stay anywhere near where they are. Even if they come off a bit, there's still several hundred millions of dollars in free cash flow. You might get another one next year or another special divvy. So right. it's uh, it's stronger for longer, I think. Okay, so uh, you don't reckon we've missed the boat on this? Uh, no. For investors to get in with new money? Not at the moment. Okay. No. All right. Buy on you, Hope. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And uh, first up today, Sam wants a view. Uh, Philip on Premier Investments, uh, Solomon Lou's Retail Empire. Um, any parent or grandparent knows you get fleeced at Smiggle. Well, they own Smiggle. By owning these shares, you could at least get your own back. Peter Alexander, a whole bunch of different famous retail brands. Uh, their investment side, they own uh, stake in Breville and, of course, a long-term investor in Meyer. Yeah, uh, look, I think it's a buy. Uh, very high quality retailer. Everyone's waiting for the consumer to fall over, for retail sales to fall. It hasn't happened. Um, no. re- the print a couple of days ago showed that clothing sales are holding up, um, general retail is holding up, and we've seen JB Hi-Fi and Super Cheap all put out good results. And Premier on Friday, um, after guiding to strong first seven weeks of the year, gave an update saying the first 12 weeks are up 40% on, no. on PCP. They're doing very well. Um, the four-year results surprised on the upside. Analysts were forced to upgrade. Uh, share price moved 15% on the day. That was the extent of the surprise. Why? He's a very good retailer. Uh, well, they are very good retailers. Manages the costs quite tightly. Uh, they got some high margin brands in Smiggle and Peter Alexander. Peter Alexander, the pajama brand, keeps going from strength to strength. Yep. They could take that offshore at some stage if they want to. Uh, Smiggle is recovering. Um, it's a back to school category. Uh, other side of the world's going back to school now. Those sales have gone up strongly. They paid a special dividend, also announced a share buyback. So for me, it's a company that keeps performing. Analysts keep waiting for earnings to decline. I think consensus has got FY23 declining. If what they've stated were the first 12 weeks of the year continues, you're looking at analyst upgrades into FY23, right. um, 1.5 billion in cash investments, property, etc. Okay, so are you bullish on the whole retail sector or just no. selected ones? Because no. a lot of people say, hey, headed into recession, consumers gonna find it tough. But they've all all the retailers have been smashed, haven't they, except for La Visa, which is kind of gets so, them. Good companies don't sit there and let things happen to them. So right. Premier has 70, 70% of its uh, leases in holdover. So they can um, close down underperforming stores if they need to. About 22, 24% of their sales are online. So if they've got an unprofitable store or it's not working, they can shut that down. They can manage costs pretty well. So they're not gonna just sit there and, um, and do nothing. So for me, right. when you get a quality retailer being sold off, from a long-term perspective, it's a chance to buy stocks uh, at a depressed value where the outlook isn't as bad okay, as Okay, so PEs are still low. 
for Premier. Uh, EV to EBIT's about seven times. PE's oh. about 12, 14 times. But you've right. got, you got to strip out Breville and Maya and, and the cash and the right. properties and that kind of stuff. So for me, uh, it's compelling okay. value at this level. Uh, Nathan? Yeah, I was wondering what Pepe was going to say about Premier. Uh, he's, he's, been, he's been good picking this. Um, he's picked the ball, top and the bottom quite a bit. So I'll give him credit on this. Um, so in that context, <laughs> gee, the, the, uh, the tone, of, the tone of voice was in that conciliatory. I know the words were, but but the tone behind it, Philip. There's, a, you... there's a but coming. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah there's, a there's a but. Yeah. All right, there there's a but coming. Yeah. Um, every every analyst uh, spends their whole life looking at a sector and they fall in love with it. So you just got to be careful. Um, and don't worry, I tell Pepe this every time. Um, Premier is a, it's a really well, Premier is run. I mean, it's really well run business. Management is really good. Um, and funnily enough, my daughter works at uh, Smiggles. And the amount of money that gets through that place is amazing. Even in a tough economy, um, kids are kids. Uh, parents don't have a choice. Um, so in that context, it's doing well. And I think the stores will hold up relatively well. Uh, but the reality is the economy will slow down, but it hasn't. Everyone is just adding to their debt. People are just borrowing more money and spending. I mean, this is the reason why the Fed last night came out hard, because the biggest problem globally is everyone thinks that there's a bailout coming. So everyone thinks, OK, I'll just borrow more money. And they've added more debt to the existing eye-watering debt uh, to keep things going. So high inflation is not having an effect yet because people are just borrowing more and more money. And unfortunately, it just forces the central bank hands and they're going to keep raising rates. And so eventually it'll crack. So, uh, you know, I think you've got to be really careful um, in the retail sector. You want to pick the guys who can manage the cycle. Uh, these guys are, they're, they're in the top tier. And the multiple is actually not too bad. Um, I think we have this in the investment portfolio from memory. Um, and I think it holds up better than most. Um, and in that context, uh, I'm happy to buy. In this kind of a tough macro, um, retail sector has been bashed up and it's recovering. So I think net net, I think it's placed well. So you know, if you're looking for retail exposure, this one stacks up. Round one, and we have an agreement there. Wow, between the bull and the bear. I know. I was I was hoping to have a bash, but you know. <laughs> oh, there you go. But um, Nathan, just on your point, because it's not the same here in Australia. We've we've still got really high savings levels. But I saw a, a chart from Bloomberg um, yesterday and Lombard Odia. Um, credit card loans are at 33% of disposable income in the US and savings are now down to 3%. During the pandemic, they were at 23%. Now they're 3%. So that backs up what I was stunned when I saw that chart yesterday, how much it's changed to back up your argument that they're just borrowing in the US until the cows come home. Yeah, because people are telling people that, you know, they'll get bailed out. It's it's like the, I mean, the insanity that was pre-GFC. Right. Um, it's coming through now to the point where people are saying, well, if we all get into trouble, then they have to bail us out. Yeah. And that's where Jerome Powell last night came and said, people, stop doing this because yeah. you're making my job even harder. Because so, he wants people to stop buying too much so that things will slow down. Inflation comes off. And they can oh, take yeah. the foot off the pedal. Oh, yeah. Now they're being forced to. And I, look, RBA can deny the facts, but the reality is the pressure will build gradually in Australia as well. And then RBA may have to pivot to higher hikes. Okay. So 
they don't want to do that. Um, you know, they they're pro property, so they don't want to do yeah. that. But reality is, but Australian ha- Australian households seem to be in much better shape than the US. Yeah, look, I, I don't think we're facing the recession risk. Yeah. Where in the US, I think the odds are pretty high. Like yeah, we're talking 80, 90 almost certainty. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our second stock. Peter wants a view. Philip on Talga Group. Uh, a technology minerals group, um, graphite exploration in Sweden, um, and also uh, in Germany and the United Kingdom. What do you think of Talga Group? Yeah, look, I had to do a bit of research on yeah, this one. Uh, hadn't come up before, I don't think. Yeah, look, it's it's in the battery technology space. It is a cash burner, so normally I would say avoid. But they recently did a capital raising. They raised about twenty-two million, um, and they've signed a non-binding off-take agreement with a large um, European car manufacturer. So it's probably safe for the next twelve months, and it's trading above the recent capital raise price. So. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So I would hold on. I wouldn't buy any more. But given that they've got an agreement in place, they've recently raised money, they're secure cash flow for at least the next 12 months. For me, it's a hold hold on to see how it goes. And that's not a terrible chart. I wouldn't put any more money in. But if you invested a couple of months ago, I would hang on to see um, how the next 12 months plays out. Okay. Mathan, graphite and batteries. Gee, it's... it's, uh, They're buzzwords at the moment, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. Pepe spoke like a perfect broker. Um, <laughs> that into the, cap, the cap raising. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love Pepe. Um, in that context, you, look, everyone knows the energy sector is hot. And the battery, commodity, technology side of things, it's the hot of the hot. Yep. So if you haven't done well in the last 12 to 18 months, there's something wrong. So if your stock price is going sideways or downwards, in this thematic, when are you going to do well? Because just have a look at lithium, just have a look at graphite stocks, mm. just have a look at anything, uranium, everything linked to any kind of energy resource has had a huge run. So <clears throat> this has gone sideways for the last two years. Um, and I don't think the market completely buying into it. So you need to trust management to deliver something better than what they have done in the last couple of years in an environment with rising costs. Uh, maybe not. Um, I think the risk return is not there for me. Um, this is probably being there. That, yeah, I mean, it could work out. But at the moment, what I'm seeing through the share price, what they've done, the deals that they've announced, it's just not getting the reaction from the market. The market's not buying right. in. And so when you look at other <clears throat> comparable thematics in that sector, they've all done really well and they're coming off their peak. This hasn't even had the run. So I think when they roll over, this will roll over as well. So. For me, you've got to be looking at thematics that are improving, where the market is starting to look at a thematic, not the thematic that everyone's already in, and you haven't done that well to start with. So if you've been there, unfortunately, you haven't done well, you just got to move on. Because hanging on to something that's not doing well, the market's not buying into, the thematic is not getting the traction, it's a loss-making company, burning cash. Yes, they've raised money, and we know some some of these companies that burn money can keep burning money yep. for a lot longer than what you think. So sell for you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Liam wants a view, Maitland, on Duratech. Now, it's a specialist uh, contractor um, in protection, remediation, refurbishment, particularly in steel and concrete infrastructure. This reminded me of a sort of infrastructure, bigger version of John's Ling, is it? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Oh, look, this is the beauty of the show. I've, I've no idea about this stock, heard about it. 
Uh, I had to uh, run through the numbers, have a look, what what's doing, and so forth. Look, it's, it looks interesting, um, but the cost pressures is a worry. Uh, even the good guys are getting hit. Um, so this is definitely a, a risky area. It's a hundred mil market cap. So you're playing in the micro cap space, just where we are in the market cycle. Um, small caps, you know, micro caps outperform small caps. Now they're underperforming. Uh, for the first time, micro caps and small caps are underperforming large caps. So the cycle has turned around. So you're in a high risk area. Liquidity is a huge issue. If the market panics, uh, you just need one decent seller to want to get out and the share price gets absolutely pumped. So that's the risk return. So now is probably not the time to jump into a micro cap. Um, but this this has got interesting thematics. I mean, it's it's a unique type business. Um, it looks interesting. I think it's it's one you want to keep on your shopping list. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at $100 million stocks in the current market cycle. I think you want to look at them probably late December or early January. Right now, it's a bit risky for micro caps. Right. And so this is not there for me at the moment, but it's definitely a new stock that I've learned about and it's on my shopping list. Okay. Philip? So Nathan's ignoring the fundamentals as, as, as usual. Uh, so I think, I think the stock is a buy. Uh, it's in a space where there's a lot of spending happening at the moment. Mm. They're repairing aging infrastructure, water, uh, defense, all that kind of stuff. So that spending doesn't go away because there's an interest rate rise or there's a war on the other side of the world. Their work in hand or their order book um, last reported was $458 million, more than double on the prior corresponding period. Their tenders and pipeline is $2.4 billion. So as Nathan pointed out, 100 mil market cap company tendering on over $2 billion worth of work. Um, There are cost pressures, there's labor shortages. So contractors like Jurytech are saying to their clients, this is the price. And this is the price for this week. On Monday, there's a new price. So ultimately the the governments, the large infrastructure builders need the work done and they're paying the price because otherwise the work doesn't get done. So if a bridge breaks, you need to fix the bridge. So the, they, they are like a John's Ling, which is in, in retail, yeah. remediation and repair, but yeah. they're in the big government infrastructure areas among like bridges things. and roads and other and, in, and big industrial. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of spending in that space at the moment. Yeah. And there are a number of places to do it, but they're, for one of my phrase, their books are full. So they're not discounting like they used to right. in the past to win some work. Their mm. margins are holding up because there's not enough labour. So we, we actually like the space and this company is, as per the share price, has been doing well. And yeah. as, as long as they win their fair share of those tenders, that share price should track upwards with their earnings. So okay. we like it, I think it's a buy. Um, not too small, illiquid? They're certainly bigger. Um, it's not for everyone. Liquidity is a risk, but liquidity is probably factored into the share price as well. So right. not, not for the mega funds, you, you can't get set in a stock this small, but for the, the average uh, personal investor, it should be able to pick up a few um, to make, have a meaningful position. Right, okay. All right. Uh, and next stock is, uh, Philip, is Retail Food Group, of course, uh, operates a number of franchises and um, uh, big brand names, Donut King, Michelle's Patisserie, Brumbies, Bakeries, uh, Gloria Jeans, Coffee, uh, Crust Gourmet Pizza, all under the one umbrella. Um, what do you think of Retail Food Group, particularly after Domino's uh, warning came out? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Domino's is uh, more of a global company. This is Australian focused. If you look at their share price, their share price has really been hit in the last two years. Um, It was impacted by COVID. So we we think it's a buy, we like the story. Main reason is it's a COVID rebound story. So a lot of their stores 
are in shopping centres and people just didn't go to shopping centres during lockdown. We've heard from other retailers that people just went to the supermarket, bought what they needed to, maybe the pharmacy went back home. Yep. So foot traffic was down. That's now starting to normalise. People are also coming back to the CBD. So um, they're getting foot traffic back through the stores, the various stores, and we expect um, their earnings to grow. We also think what they sell is relatively defensive in a downturn. If you're going back to the shopping centres over Christmas, you're probably going to buy your kid or yourself a donut. You're going to buy a cup of coffee. You might buy a pastry at Michelle's Patisserie. So yeah. quite defensible to because people trade down. You heard from the retailers yeah, But last a chart, uh, it's a weird looking chart, isn't it? It is. It's not the most liquid stock, so no. you need to be aware. But you can see you know, pre-COVID, it was up sort of seven cents. It dropped to four and a half. It's now uh, back up at six. We think it's wor- worth a little more. Um, as they start, there is an ACCC issue that they're, that they're working through right. with some of their franchisees. That seems to be coming to an end. So as they work through that, and as we start to see actual data points, maybe the first half result where people coming back into their stores, their earnings should go and their earnings should be relatively defensive in an economic downturn because they sell donuts, coffee, pizza. Right, okay. Not expensive. So you have it as a a buy? Okay. Uh, Nathan, what do you think of Retail Food Group? Wow, this one has had amazing history. You have to give it that. Um, I mean, I've been looking at this for, I think, a good part of a decade. Um, yeah. You know, they were a massive um, story, probably, you know, I think they traded like five, six dollars. Yes. Um, and they were selling, I mean, the whole theory was at that time that they had this huge franchise business. They, you know, expanded into different, different areas. And a lot of them sold coffee. Then they made their own coffee. And the deal was that you had to buy their coffee in each of those stores. So the more they buy under the umbrella, the more they sold. That's a high margin business. It was a huge, it was a great business model and it was killing it till it didn't. Uh, and then mm. when it didn't, uh, I mean, it's it's amazing thing about when a you know, stock goes into an upgrade cycle, runs the cycle, and then when it turns, and it gets into a downgrade cycle, yeah. it's just downgrades to the, you know. Because that, that, if we can bring up that five-year chart again, sort of five years ago, it was back at five bucks. How come it's at six cents now? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's basically gone from one of the market darlings to something that nobody wants to touch. No. Um, and it's amazing how that has turned around. I mean, this used Good to pull out numbers. Yeah, it's got a great brands and, and you know, feels right. I mean, you reopen cycle, people coming in, the crowds, it should do better. Uh, but I think, you know, if you talk this to any fund manager, they will turn around and run the other way because pretty much everyone's lost money on this right. uh, over the years. So it's a tough one for most people. But look, I, I suppose that's the advantage for a retail investor. I think its management track record will be, you know, in the negative scores. Um, so that's the problem, but geez, it's got they got great brands. They're spread everywhere, um, and the recovery is you know returning to the uh, I suppose normality should drive uh, better earnings. So they should do better. Uh, but look, Ooh. it's a micro cap. It's high Ooh. risk, and management has low low this thing. So this is one Phil, way. Phil, goes, Philip's you know, eyes are sparkling here. He's a, <laughs> he thinks you're on, on the on the verge of an agreement. Uh, this is an, uh, you know, this is a high risk, ugly buy. Um, and it's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's nowhere, you know, no matter how you put a lipstick on this pig, it's still a pig. So this is ugly, but 
it is so ugly that you have to look at it because <laughs> it used to be a market darling it can it, it should do a lot better than what it's been doing and i think uh, you know risk return is in your favor i think you should take a bet on it but i wouldn't put a lot i'd put a little bit and see how it runs okay all right it's an ugly buy it's been beaten up but coming out for the next round maybe all right um philip our, our next stock etf the iShares core msci world and australia esg leaders etf uh, anyone with an esg filter yeah. what does this look like it's an interesting one because you're playing the market uh, and i think it's hedged so days like today you sort of think why would you look at it for the genuine long-term investor i think it's a buy it's right. a good way to access the market lower fees so you're not paying funds management fees it's basically a passive fund uh, i think it's a two year lows or, or something um uh something something of those sorts of levels yep genuinely speaking um over the longer term share markets go up obviously last year or two they have not uh if you're taking a genuine three to five year view this is a great way to enter the um the, the world equity market um don't look at the share price daily days like today it's going to be volatile um, but I actually think it's a long-term buy, particularly days like today or years like we've had right. where it just gets thrown out. Um, longer term, this should trade higher um, with general equity market. So, so for retail investors who go, look, I want a bit of an ESG sort of flavour, is, is this the way to do it rather than individual stocks? It depends on your skill set, depends on your time uh, and whatever else you own. So yeah, yeah, work for a financial advisory firm. Speak to your advisor, find out is this yeah. the best for you? Because you're talking about one investment, one yeah. equity market. So yeah. how much should you put in the equity market, let alone particularly ESG things? So um, sometimes you might want an aspect of ESG. You might want a, a handful of funds. If I wouldn't make this my only stock. It needs to be oh, part no. of a broader portfolio. So no, part it is of a one way to access it. It's probably not the best way to access it. But if you're time poor, you don't want to do the analysis, buy an index okay. fund. Buy All right. Fund. Nathan? Yeah, ESG. Um, by definition, it's got something working against it. Uh, because if you look at what why ESG did so well for a number of years, is mainly because of what you know most markets enjoyed, which is lower rates falling even lower and multiples expanding. So by definition, ESG does not invest in things like mining. Um, and so those kind of things works well when you got multiple expansion uh, hitting all the tech stocks because they were predominantly playing the tech sector. So ESG by definition will be a growth play. Um, so the problem here is where you are in the macro cycle. So when interest rates go up, growth stocks have multiple reduction, they run into growth issues, they get hit on earnings, so they get double dip. So that's why they get hammered. So we actually run an ESG ETF model, and we manage it through uh, with bare ETFs to manage risk. And that's been going up, while the actual universe has been underperforming. So it's not that ESG fund managers are bad, it's just that the universe they're picking from is actually just in free fall. So it doesn't matter what you pick, you're gonna be falling. So you're picking an ESG, you're pretty much betting that interest rates have to start falling. That's right. pretty much it. Because otherwise growth stocks struggle and ESG struggles. So if you're, you know, if you're looking at it as an investment strategy uh, and you want to have that over the long term, I wouldn't pick ESG in the current macro. I'd probably go the overall market ETF. Yeah. Um, because in a rising I think interest rates will remain elevated over the next decade. Right. Um, and I think the market will see that US is probably going to go 5% or even higher. Right. So in that kind of environment, I think ESG continues to struggle 
not because of the ESG concept, it's just that the universe that they go for are predominantly growth stocks, where if you put in the overall market, you get the mining resource play that gives you that leverage for the inflation, and that kind of balances it out. So, and also this one is ex-Australia, like the only market that has a decent amount of uh, resource exposure is Australia. So, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself twice. So um, I think you're better off buying a, a global market ETF rather than a specific one. Um, and I think you need to have risk management. So you need advice if you're going to be using this one, you need to understand how to manage risk. Um, but otherwise, I think some of the ETFs, when you go into these selective categories, um, it can work against you. Okay. All right. Let's um, uh, recap the first five stocks and stock of the day. Uh, New Hope, a buy from uh, the bull, uh, a hold from uh, from the bear. Uh, Premier Investments, the bull and the bear agree on this. Um, it is a buy. Uh, Talga, uh, the bear has a hold. Mathan, uh, sorry, uh, the bull has a hold in, in Philip. Mathan has a sell on it. Uh, Juratech, uh, a buy from Philip Mathan has put it on his watch list, didn't know uh, much about it. Uh, retail food, uh, the bull and the bear actually agree on this one. Uh, Mathan had to put his own spin on it, saying it's an ugly buy. That's the, the concession because he doesn't want to agree with Philip too much. Uh, and iShares World uh, Australia uh, ETF, a buy from Philip if you want that sort of filter, but not have the is the only thing in your portfolio, and a no from Mathan. Uh, here on the call, we're tracking our own high conviction growth fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee, which Mathan is on. Uh, you can watch the latest investment committee meeting on osbiz.com. Uh, give an update from that meeting. The portfolio had Incitech Pivot removed, seven group holdings was uh, had its um, uh, percentage added to and mineral resources was trimmed. JB Hi-Fi and Wes Farmers also had their weightings increased as well since the uh, 1st of March. Uh, the fund is up, fantasy fund up 6.5%. Uh, of course, keep sending in all of your requests here for the call. That's a first filter up to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Yep, join us tomorrow afternoon for the last call as we wrap up the week. This half hour, we're going to run the ruler over Ansel ASX Touch Ventures, uh, which is an interesting one. Viva Leisure and Elders. Uh, Philip, what do you think of uh, Ansel, the protective glove healthcare um, manufacturer? It's an interesting one. Um, mixed results recently. They had some uh, production issues given COVID lockdown and stuff, but yep. demand for their products clearly... Uh, going up with extra um, uh, personal protective equipment in demand given the, the new world and with surgeries returning uh, to normal, you'd think um, demand for gloves and stuff will increase. 
but input costs are also increasing as well and they're yeah. probably increasing at a faster rate than actually demand is so there's a little bit of pressure on margins and i think they've got a, a relatively cautious outlook statement as well the euro us is also moving against them yeah. it seems to be trading in line with analysts um, average valuation so it's not particularly cheap but it's not expensive so if you owned it, it's probably in a good space. It looks to me to be fair value. So they've been pretty open with their outlook. So there's no reason to rush out and sell it, uh, but I wouldn't buy it at these levels. So for me, oh. it's a hold. If oh. you found yeah. something cheaper to buy, recycle into that. But for me, on valuation, it's a hold at best. Okay, Nathan, 45% of revenue from North America, a third from Europe, Middle East and Africa, 14% uh, across Asia, 8% in Latin America. They've got sort of tentacles everywhere, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, um, they used to have, uh, what's that, lifestyle uh, condom business, which they sold out. Yeah. And they're basically a play on uh, global manufacturing, um, health and safety play. So they tend to do well in, a, I suppose, a recovering manufacturing cycle. And right now we are in a weak manufacturing cycle. I think management is great. I think the track record is amazing. In a tough macro, these are the kind of guys you want to back uh, for a global business. Um, they can, they, you know, they've got enough spread around the world that they will benefit off the recovery cycle that will eventually come. Um, I think Bill's right. I think the short term, the cost pressures will hit them. The currency issues will hit them. And that's what's priced in. But I think the management is good enough to manage through that. And the reality is the cost pressure that they, they actually put onto their customer base is very little. So the safety aspect of what they provide I don't think their customer base is suddenly going to say, oh, I'm gonna to go to a cheaper one because the risk return if something goes wrong is so high. And because it's such a small part of their cost base, it's not gonna to matter too much. And I think most people understand the fact mm. that there's inflation and cost pressures are coming through. So I think they're okay, they'll put up prices, uh, but it's going to be a tough cycle over the next six to 12 months. But I think they recover from that. I think the market's aware of that. So I don't think you're gonna be shocked by any, um, I yep. suppose, tough outlook, um, but, Look, I like it. We like it. It's run up. Uh, valuation is not cheap, but it's not expensive either. I think it holds up well. It's a bit like Premier because they're big, good, and have a great track record with management. I think they'll hold up better. So these are the kind of businesses you want to back okay. in a tough macro. So I'm happy to buy. You know, I would say probably you buy on weakness, uh, but if you have it, it's a it's a definite hold. Uh, but it's a strong business. I think it'll be there when manufacturing recovers. So you're a buy. Yeah, I'll go so, for a buy. Okay. Yeah. So the bear's going to buy. Philip, are you surprised at that? Uh, yeah, I would have picked it as a as a sell for you, Nathan. But that's okay. Mm, okay. Yeah. See, you know, <laughs> may, maybe spending a bit of time with you, Phil, after all these years, uh, starting to rub off a bit. You know, I just tried. in half an hour. I tried. Yeah, okay. All right, Nathan. There's only so much sanity I can handle. Nathan, <laughs> <laughs> um, Todd wants a view on the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange that runs all the platform. What do you think of ASX? Oh, you know, this is the one where you go, it's, it's like the new crest of exchanges. You just know one day you wake up and they'll come up with something shocking and you get smashed. Um, but... <laughs> You know, in saying that, it is so ugly right now. Nobody wants to touch it. That's the that's the reason you want to look at it. Oh, I think you, I think ASS is a buy. It's a it's a mm. extremely ugly buy, um, but it's a buy because it's a defensive play. Um, you're buying something that's pays a relatively low yield, um, and it does quite well through the cycle in the context that 
even in a weak cycle, um, they have decent turnover. Even in a market crash, people sell okay. a lot more than what they do buying. Okay. So they tend to do well. IPOs will be down in it, I'd assume, over the next six months, so that would be a bit negative. But look, you buy this thing when it's cheap, and it's cheap. Right. That is a hor stuff. horrible chart, is it? Oh, yeah. Well, this is, this is not sexy. This is not a growth no. machine. This is just a utility at the end of the day. Uh, but the, you know, when you buy cheap, you get the recovery cycle. So you're there to make money. You buy this below 70 bucks and you hold it. It's boring. It's a dominant player. And when the market gets excited, this runs to 80. Okay. I always find it funny when this runs to 90. Everyone gets excited. It's like, oh, yeah, ASX going to do something great. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> it does what it does and it does it again and again. The big kicker for ASX is a bid coming out of London Stock Exchange or Singapore Exchange because uh, people in Europe want to get exposure to the Asian market. They want to get that Asian market exposure right. through Australia. So having that exchange allows them to do that. So okay. I think inevitably there'll be a bid coming. That's the kicker, but you don't buy it for the kicker. So you now have the discount to buy it and the free kick is there's an M&A potential. Mm. Okay, Philip, ASX. I think I'm on the show with the wrong Nathan. That's not the Nathan I, I work with. Uh, my, my apologies. Uh, I would have sworn you'd pick that as a sell based on on the momentum. Uh, I think it's a buy. Uh, oh, for, buy as well. For, I mean, okay. there's so much doom and gloom uh, in terms of the market at the moment, and the stats recently put out by the ASEC showed that you know, everything looks terrible versus the prior corresponding period volumes, trades, corporate right. activity that's going to return to normal growth at some stage. It might be 12 months away, but geez, we're near three-year lows. Yeah. In an equity market, we know that works. We know there's demand for. Um, people aren't going to put a lot into property at the moment. You would mm -hmm. think interest rates are going up, so demand for bonds will go up. But as a genuine long-term investment, the ASX hasn't been this cheap for um, for about three years. So I yeah. think for a genuine long-term, it's compelling value at this price. Yeah, I'd be a buy. Okay. Uh, and I was convinced Nathan would be a sell. So yeah. that's, uh, and if it gets back to the 90 bucks, even if you sell out of that, that's a 50% return for you. Yeah, so absolutely. At these levels. Are. Okay. Um, our next stock, um, I didn't know much about. Uh, Damien wants to view Philip on Touch Ventures. It's um, basically a venture capital business that invests in tech companies that are associated with Afterpay. Or, or leverage off um, Afterpay's technology. And initially, um, the share price spiked when it floated for yeah. all, the, all the excitement around Afterpay and buy now, pay laters, and it's come off a long way since then. Interestingly, in their recent trading update, they're quite cautious, the market. So this is a private venture, a venture capital firm, private equity firm saying, we haven't got much to buy. They're holding right. a lot of cash and they're doing a share buyback. Right. That's not why you invest in venture capital. You want no. them to go and buy some assets. And from what we've just discussed in the listed market, assets haven't been this cheap for two years. So, so it's just been going a year, basically, uh, yeah, so from 47 down to where it is now. Yep. So you don't want them to be doing a buyback. You want them to be investing yeah. in assets. So having said that, that share price has fallen a long way. So yeah. for me, it's a hold. You would hold on at these levels. You don't want them to do a buyback. It'll support the price for a while. You want them to find some assets to buy and trend up back towards yeah. the 30 cent level. So it's too cheap to sell, uh, but you hope in the next six months they talk more positively about the outlook and find some assets mm. to buy, which is okay. why, why people invested. Yeah, Nathan, what do you think of Touch? In, in that sector, you've got Thorny as well, don't you? Thorny Investments, a similar type of business. Yeah, well, Thorny owns some of this as well. Um, and so a massive chunk of this is owned by uh, Block. So, um, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of, I guess, interlinked 
uh, play in this. Yeah. It's it's come back. It's yeah. It's hard to get excited by it. I mean, if you look at the whole asset management sector, I mean, we just had a bid for Perpetual, and and you look at the share prices of all the people who are bidding and the people that are being targeted. They're all been falling for you know multi years. So it's not a great sector to play in. And Phil's right. I mean, if you're not going to invest when things look ugly, when are you going to invest? Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the insider. You're supposed to be the guy who's willing to take the risk for the return. I mean, I'm not buying an ETF here. Um, so reality is you're paying for that piece. So yeah, I just don't get it. It's it's not big, um, and it doesn't excite me in the context that I'd expect them to be doing more than this in this okay. market. It, you know, this is the time for them to shine, and they're not shining. And again, the other one is if you're a f- recent float and you underperform for the first six months, usually very bad sign. And this is very bad sign. So, you know, you got to trust management, and I'm not trusting it at this point when I'm, from what I've seen. So I'm staying out, wait okay. for things to improve. All right. Uh, Nick wants a view, Nathan, on Viva Leisure, the big health club uh, operator. They own uh, things like um, Club Line, Ladies Only, uh, Hilt Republic, a whole bunch of uh, fitness and boxing fitness facilities around the country. Oh. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let me start by saying that the uh, the guy that used to work with us, both Phil and me, uh, whose wife did the design for the picture, he's the one who told me about this stock. And we, and we were looking at this and trying to work out why is it doing so well? He said, they're just buying gyms. And yep. then uh, Ben turned around to me and said, oh, look, they're going to build a data... Uh, you know, data collection from all the gyms to have all these members and, you know, build up a customer base. And I'm sitting there going, "Mm, so what's the mode? There isn't one. So basically one of the biggest growth industry is there's gyms everywhere. Yeah, they're like coffee shops now. Yeah, it's just, it's not much of a competitive advantage. There is no mode. The data collection is not going to deliver you much. I just don't get how this industry continues to do well. Um, I think you need to be unique. You need to have something that's going to protect your business model. And I don't see it. Uh, the data collection is, I think it's a great story. Everyone wants to be a SaaS model. Um, so I don't know how you become a SaaS model in a, in a gym. But anyway, that aside, um, I think it's a tough one. I, I don't see the huge story in the recovery cycle. You're going to hold 20-odd stocks at, mu- at most. Right. And you need to buy, buy things that you can see how they're going to be at some point. I just can't see how this is going to be something at some point. I'll, I'll go out and back Ordinate or an Altium all day long. Yep. Uh, but you know, when they okay. say they're tech, they're tech. This right. is not there. Philip, Viva. Uh, Nathan, do you even lift, bro? Do you even lift? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Someone who lifts would never have that view. For me, this is a buy. Um, a buy? It's a buy. Right. A- and it is about the data analytics. You may laugh, but people probably laughed at Kogan when Kogan started and said, hey, we're going to do data analytics and understand right. the customer. But people said, no, you will never compete with Amazon. And then Kogan did what they did. Right. So this is a data analytics business. I mean, there is a, apparently a gym on every corner for a reason this is non-discretionary spend a diff- point of differentiation for these guys is they're not in the cbds rents are very high in the cbd so their the nearest cbd location is piemont these, these guys are out in the burbs um the rent's cheaper so the right. gym equipment costs the same staff costs about the same 
but the rents are far less, which allows them to offer a more attractive price point. Their average customer pays $15 per week. Um, by being in the suburbs with remotely working, with working from home, that's where the customer is. So they spend a lot of time on money understanding the customer. So they actually ran us through uh, their IT systems, their data collection systems uh, about a week ago, where they measure everything they can, demographics, when people are going, what they're using. So there was an example where they gave that there was a gym that in their network that was 70% females. Shouldn't be 70% females, it's a, it's a both sex gym. Normally that attracts the males. Why aren't the males coming? They realize that, well, we don't have enough 20 kilogram weights, so men want, generally want the heavier weights. So they put the heavier weights in, back come the men, everybody's happy. Right. They had another gym where they realized that, um, geez, our cardio equipment isn't being used. Um, why don't we switch out some of the treadmills and put some more weights? That brought back the members. So right. most gyms, We'll have twice a year promotions. Uh, January, the you know yep. New Year's resolutions. Then spring, you know, twelve weeks till summer. Get ready. They're constantly interacting with their members, and they're picking up. Gee, Nathan used to go every week. Now he's stopped. What's going on? Oh, he actually moved house. Why don't we tell him that there's a gym closer to his home? Hmm. Why don't you switch to the membership? Okay. So everybody's time poor by keeping things simple, by making it easier for their customers to go. That's why they have 70% occupancy and they're the second largest chain in Australia. I actually think what they're doing is misunderstood, but they've got very hmm. good growth prospects okay. because it is non-discretionary spend. So it, it's well, a buy from, from me. Cer- certainly a good case putting there. Nathan, uh, are you willing to change your view? After listening to that? No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, we get you in the gym. Well, I think after I recover from the damage I've done playing cricket after 15 years, I think right. I might be able to go to the hospital more likely. Okay. All right. Okay. Our final stock, and I'll start with Philip on this one. Um, Philip Elders, the big agricult- diversified agricultural. Yeah, it creates a lot of debate. This one, I think it's a buy. They've got a result out on November 14. I think uh, conditions are quite strong in the Australian agricultural sector at the moment. We've had a bit of rain, we know that. That's been part of the East Coast. The West Coast is largely okay. Farmers are making near record profits. They will continue to invest that back into their economy. Elder supplies um, a lot of their inputs. They should benefit this year and next year. It's another stock, a bit like um, Premier, where analysts like to call the peak and, you know, they'll deliver a 40% growth in, in EBIT this year. The market seems to think that that'll all of a sudden fall backwards next year. It's simply not going to happen. You know, look at wheat prices, which are holding up pretty well because of what's happening yep. on the other side of the world. Farmers are producing near record volumes. Cattle prices are holding up. I think the 12 month to three year outlook for, for this company is quite strong. And for those who want to argue an agricultural cycle, under the current management, their EBIT has grown by 30% per annum over the last seven years, seven to eight mm. years. The worst year it went backwards by 1%. Okay. And during the last drought, it went up by 60%. So it can manage through the cycles. As we said earlier, good good management doesn't sit there and, and yeah. things happen to mm. them. They make decisions. Good point. And, and, and uh, Nathan, you've been uh, a bull on elders for a while. You're still a bull? Yeah, look, um, Phil and I have talked about elders, I don't know how many years. Um, and yeah, look, I think, I think it's a great business. I think it's probably the best agribusiness because of the diversified model that it plays in and in Australia farmers are doing really well I mean talk to anyone in the regional space and you find out how strong the economy is so I don't think they're going to be struggling and Phil's right every analyst tries to pick the peak in I think agri sector I think last year was supposed to be the peak and the year before and the year before and the year before so in reality they've been wrong for a number of years I'm pretty sure they're going to be wrong again 
I don't think food prices are coming down anytime soon. Um, and so in that context, I think, and regional, mm. you know, property values, regional farm values are extremely elevated. So I think the farmers are doing well and elders will benefit out of that. And the thematic still plays quite well. So, and management has a pretty okay. good track record in our last number of years. So, All right. you know, there's everything to like about it. All right, we might ring the bell on that comment, Phil's right, from uh, Nathan. Good, good way to end the bout. Uh, let's recap our final five stocks. Ansel, uh, a buy from Nathan, a hold from uh, Phil. Uh, ASX, a buy from both, an ugly buy from Nathan. Um, Phil ha- Philip has, a, has an attractive buy. Uh, touch, a hold from Philip, a no from Nathan. Uh, Viva, a buy from uh, Philip, a no from Nathan and a buy from both in terms of elders. So the bull uh, during the show has come up with five, eight buys and two holds. Uh, and the bear has come up with three, four buys, um, two of them ugly, um, uh, three sells and a watch. So there we go. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to have uh, the bear, Nathan Sopasandaran and the bull Philip Pepe from Shoreham Partners on the show. You be the judge. Go on Twitter. You score the bout to see who comes out with a win. There were no knockouts, I don't think. It will be uh, a decision based on points. You let us know how they fared. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good to see you. A lot of fun. Good to see both of them. And uh, something a bit different today. But uh, And thank you to our graphic artist who was Christy Shanahan Christy Shanahan for for doing this especially for the fellas a lot of fun uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like to fill it, flick us um, an email the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz tv handle a reminder all the stocks in the calls portfolio osbiz.co forward slash portfolio coming up next oh we've got wicked problems uh, coming up just after one o'clock. So uh, stick around. A lot happening on Ausbiz for the rest of the afternoon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.